Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Perry, your favorite board-certified attorneys, founder of drbarrypr.com, as well as the CEO of PR Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself for better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy, affirmation, and education. This week, we bring you Tiara Nicole, who is a woman of many hats, and, I, and I'm definitely excited to be able to talk to her. Uh, she is a motivational speaker who focuses on mental health, time management, and women's empowerment, and we're actually going to be talking a lot today on the podcast just about mental wellness, uh, particularly in the black community, especially during a time like this uh, where tensions are more visibly um elevated than uh, it has been before. Uh, she speaks to small groups. She speaks to large groups. Uh, more, Most importantly, she talks about the transformation. And that's a big thing for her, being able to help motivate, inspire, and provide very tangible and you know actionable uh, steps uh, to the next thing, right? So definitely, we're definitely uh, excited to have her on the show uh, to really talk about you know what it means really mentally to kind of get to that next level. Um, at this point, she is already an accomplished uh, author. She's already published three books, uh, 23 and Finally Loving Me, uh, When Life Gives You Lemons, and uh, Life After Loss, right? So I am definitely excited for you guys to hear her words and just kind of hear, you know, you know, some of the wisdom she was able to impart on us. Like always, remember, you can subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Remember to tell 10 friends. Again, we're not just sharing it to one. Tell 10 friends uh, to listen and check out the podcast. And um, you guys have a great and blessed day. This podcast is sponsored by the Lunch and Learn Community Merchandise Store, living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. At the store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, coffee mugs, even wristbands, and more. For a limited time, you can get 10% off your next purchase using the coupon code EMPOWER10. That's EMPOWER10, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-10. Just go to shop.drbayerpr.com to pick up your purchase and get 10% off today. And remember, 50% of your purchases will be donated to the Five Star Scholarship Foundation, a nonprofit organization for high school students. All right, Lunch and Learn community, just heard another amazing introduction uh, for a guest that I'm very excited to hear from. Um, we've actually been following each other on social media for quite uh, quite some time now. It's one of my like social media friends, which especially in this day and age is actually more common um, than not. I got a lot of people who I just, I literally know f- through social media and I know more than even some of my closer friends uh, that, that I grew up around. <laughs> That I grew up around. And we're going to have a very interesting, poignant conversation that really needs to be had. Um, those who those who know me, those who have been following the Lunch and Learn uh, podcast, you know I talk about the importance of mental health, mental health in our community. Um, again, obviously, I'm biased. My wife's a mental health counselor, so of course, she like drills it in my head. Uh, so I love having uh, guests who are really about that kind of purpose of really kind of shining a, a much-needed light, because even though we kind of scream it from the rooftops, uh, it still, still needs to be screamed even louder. Uh, so we have Tierra Nicole Riley, who is going to be talking to us about mental health in the black community. She's, we're going to be we're going to get into a little bit of her business as well, too. So I'm, I'm definitely uh, excited um, for having you on the show. Thank you for uh, thank you for uh, a- a- accepting the invite. I much yes. appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for having me. Um, yes, it is something that we definitely need to talk about. And we need to talk about it frequently because mental health has become a taboo subject in our community. Um, so we definitely need to break that taboo because we, we, we view systematic racism without even recognizing that mental health is a part of that too. Mm. We've been in bondage because we refuse to address our mental health challenges. Okay, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, I, I did a little bit uh, stuff in your introduction, but I got a lot of my listeners always skip right here to this portion. I, they they always skip my commercial. So uh, tell them a little bit about yourself for those who may not know who you are. Um, you know, tell us about what you do. And uh, like I said, we are going to get to a little bit of your business and uh, kind of get to this journey of, of why you feel so passionate about having this conversation. Absolutely. So um, I'll start with that last part of that. So I'm passionate about mental health. One, um, my undergraduate degree is in psychology, and I'm actually looking to get back in. Um, I have a master's in HR. Um, don't judge me, y'all. I have career ADHD, but um, I am looking <laughs> to get back into the psychology um, from an academic standpoint. Additionally, I have uh, dealt with mental health my entire life. So I've had um, depression my as far back as I can remember. Um, I've dealt with suicide as young as seven years old when I tried to take my own life. Um, and I, I say that age because I want people to recognize our children are hurting. And we, especially in the Black community, feel like, well, you ain't got no bills to pay. What's wrong with you? Okay, but then when your child commits suicide, then how do you address that? Um, so children are hurting, for sure. Um, additionally, um, I miscarried twins in 2016. So grief has been a part of my mental health journey for the past four years. Um, on and off, grief comes and goes, but um, it's definitely been a part of who I am. So I'm passionate about this conversation because I recognize that, uh, particularly within the Black community, we have this like, pray about it and move on mentality when I believe I need Jesus and a therapist. Oh, I, I love that. I, that's, that's, hey, that's going to be a quote, y'all. Yeah. I just want to I, <laughs> I need to end my therapist. Um, it's not an or situation. I need to have conversations with my pastor and I need to have conversations with my therapist. Um, so it's, it's, it's a both situation in order to um, live the life that we want to live. Um, and I think in our community, we've minimized how much PTSD we've become accustomed to functioning with. Um, one, our culture is, su is suffering from PTSD from Jim Crow and slavery. And a lot of us don't recognize that it's PTSD because we didn't take the time to understand the history. But the more you get to understand the history, you understand why um, women are single mothers at such astronomical rates and why men are struggling to stay in their families. Well, that's a Jim Crow setup. But if you don't recognize that, you can't, you can't heal what you refuse to address. And I, I love I love that because I love how, especially with the points you're talking um, in regards to understanding the historical significance of where we're at uh, today, which I think, um, you know, gets really overbrushed, especially in our community. Um, I think that even the term PTSD is not even something that gets labeled for us like it does for a person who like when especially most people when they associate ptsd they're always thinking some military association but it is uh, not from just it. a military disorder um even the fact that uh when my sorority sister sandra bland died in police custody like that happened years ago and i still have ptsd triggers when i see a cop pull up behind me 
Not because I was speeding, not because I was doing anything wrong, but because she lost her life after failing to use a turn signal. That's PTSD. But if we don't address it, or when I go for a run and I'm thinking about the fact that um, that young man um, lost his life, like somebody shot him in broad daylight while he was running in his neighborhood. I run in my neighborhood all the time. Like, I shouldn't be thinking about, oh, let me make sure I run here so people don't run over me. Or let me move out of the way of this dog just in case they they lose grip of the chain or, you know, like all of these things running through your head when you're supposed to be relaxing and and releasing stress. Um, But recognizing that we suffer from a huge amount of PTSD that we need to stop pushing under the rug so that we can thrive and not just survive. Do you find in our community that we sometimes have a difficulty uh, even labeling it? Uh, and, and, and especially when, when I talk about, especially like when we talk about PTSD, but like all of the other scenarios where now we're not even able to do really normal daily activities without having that fear in the back of our mind that something may happen, right? Do you think uh, labeling is an issue? Do you think accepting is an issue? Where do you think, especially in our community, where we tend to falter the most? I think it starts with the don't ask, don't tell policy. Um, and where we deal with all these issues within our families, but we refuse to address it or talk about it. Um, and you think about the scenarios where um, you have women who, or young girls who have been raped by family members and then still have to sit at Thanksgiving dinner sitting across from that person because no one refuses to have the conversation. Like what type of, and then what does that teach you, right? I'm not even safe in my home. Like, what is that communicating when you go into a world where you're still not safe because your skin tone is considered a weapon? Um, and I remember scrolling through Twitter and seeing a video of this um, young boy playing basketball in his driveway. A police car drives by and he hides behind the car in the driveway. Like, that's that should not be as normal as it is. And I think the right. video went viral because so many of us can understand why he did that. Almost definitely. I Like, I... I I'm, right now, if it happens to me right now, I'm like, oh, let me, let me chill right now. These, uh, like, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what this, I don't know what this cop is on right now. So I don't even want to, I ain't even in the mood to test it. Exactly. And the chance, it's a greater possibility that you want some dumb stuff that I don't even want to be bothered with. I'm just sitting here trying to play basketball in front of my house. <laughs> That's it. But I know it's possible that you could start some shenanigans and now I'm a hashtag. As far as, especially, especially in our community where the focus isn't on mental health, um, it, do you think it's much easier to, to even focus on that? I know we, and I, I talk about this a lot, especially when I talk about the mental health and physical health and just kind of spiritual wellness. Um, do you think that just the, the fact that it's much easier to like physically see, right, our ailments, whether, you know, I, I fall and I scrape, I fall and I hurt my, like those types of things where that's where like our focus is on the physical, but because we literally cannot see like the mental scars um, that we're facing on a day-to-day basis, do you think that's, you know, a, a part of kind of our problem in general? I think that is part of it, but I also think it's a scenario where um, if you look at the historical perspective of what Black people have been through in this country, when were we given the grace to even sit with our feelings? 
You see what I'm saying? So um, I'm a millennial, right? And I feel like millennials are the first generation where we're able to have these kind of conversations because Gen X was fighting for feminism. Baby boomers were fighting for civil rights and, and so on and so forth. There've been so many fights to keep fighting. And even with millennials concerned about the, the human experience a little bit more, we're still dealing with some of the same shenanigans that our grandparents had to deal with. So at what point are we supposed to deal with it? When I could die tomorrow simply because the police officer didn't like my tone. And he was afraid for his life because I'm black. And and and, and you kind of touched on, especially as as a child where you know you you had those thoughts right right as long as you can remember you're, you remember feeling depressed when was the first time you were even able to like accurately like like label it like depressed like 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 you know I'm, I'm depressed right now like when were you able obviously at seven years old i would think that'd be difficult but clearly it's not um what was what, what were some of the feelings that you experienced especially as a child that that led you up to that point where you felt you know you know possibly committing suicide was better than how I feel right now? College. <laughs> um, and I think it was because um, part of it was when I would express something being wrong, I got the, oh, we'll pray about it and it'll be okay. It wasn't until college, um, a couple of things happened in college. One, I started learning psychology and I'm like, ooh, that's that person. Ooh, that person got that. Ooh, I have that problem. You know, you start to put some, that's when you start to understand like that behavior isn't normal. When you get exposed to people who didn't grow up like you, um, and I didn't have the luxury of going to a HBCU. So I, I was sitting around a group of people who were like, that ain't normal. You know, be like that, that's not a thing. Um, and so one, it was that part too. Um, so my suicidal ideations, so I had an attempt at seven, I had a thought at 16, and then I also had a thought in college. Um, and so in that moment, I had a good friend of mine say to me, like, nah, you need to go talk to somebody. Um, and gratefully, therapy was free as a part, well, included in our fees, um, part of our health fees. So I didn't have to come out of pocket to go see a therapist. Um, but that was the first time I was... I was even able to address some of those feelings, but this was at 18, 19, 20. Right. We're talking about two decades of an impact and I'm just starting to unpack some of those baggage, some of that baggage at 20. Like imagine if I had exposure to it at seven when I tried to take my life, maybe the baggage wouldn't be as heavy at this point. As heavy, yeah, especially at the age of 20. And I don't necessarily fault family because like, people are doing the best that they can, but also recognizing that we need to understand that we as adults need help, but our children do too. Like children are capable of being hurt. <laughs> it's a thing, you yeah, know? And, and we have to recognize that. We have to, we, we have to recognize, we have to acknowledge um, that they can have, uh, you know, significant feelings of, of distress, even at that age. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, and and you, we talked about, the belief, right? Just the belief as serving as a barrier for us to recognize the importance of mental health. But what are some other barriers that, um, you know, you, you come across, you kind of experience kind of along the way 
uh, that you said like, ah, like if, if we just had this or if this was there, um, I think, especially, especially in our community, um, like, I think we would take in more. What, what are some more barriers that you, like you're. Yeah. Um, a lot of barriers that I, that people initially give, um, one is cost. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the answer to that barrier is a lot of health insurances include as preventative maintenance. A lot. And if they ask you to pay anything, it's a very small copay. So don't allow cost to be a barrier. Another thing um, is access. So I always strongly recommend that you find a therapist that looks like you um, by gender and race, because there's nothing you as a black man can tell me about being a woman. Right. Right. And there's nothing a white woman can tell me about being black and vice versa. Like I, the therapists I have now and the therapists that I've had the most success with were black women. And you understand how I'm showing up to the table. You understand, even if you didn't have the exact experiences, you have an understanding of where my experiences are coming from. I don't have to translate. I don't have to code switch. I don't have to put a pretty bow on it to make you feel comfortable you already know how I, where I'm coming from for the most part. So now we can get to the nitty gritty. Now we can get to my specific problems because I don't have to translate my, my societal vantage point. Um, another- and, I, and, I, and I think that's a point that I don't think, uh, especially those in, um, you know, especially as physicians, right? And I'll talk to physicians here. Like, I think that's a point that we typically brush over where we don't understand that it is a significant transition that has to be made, right? When you're not talking to someone um, who is of similar culture of you, right? Of similar gender of you, right? It's it's a lot of times so many things gets lost in translation, so to speak, um, that you would rather not even go through it, right? That it's sometimes it's such a high barrier to try to get over to talk to someone who's of a different gender, to talk to someone who is of a different race that you're like, ah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'll just and, keep it to myself. The reality is therapy is work, but the work shouldn't start with code switching. We do that all the time anyway. Like therapy is my safe place where I can show up and I can talk how I want to talk. I can be who I want to be. I can just let it out without the judgment um, or the fear of judgment. And I think a lot of times we minimize that fear of judgment when it comes to talking to someone who's a different race or gender. I think we really minimize that. Um, And then the last thing that I would say that does form as a barrier is the understanding of why it's a taboo subject in in our community. Um, and the reality is we all know that therapy is viewed as like a rich white woman luxury, right? Not many of us recognize why. So when we go back to like the seventies and the eighties, there were literally people employed to be able to say, this person doesn't need therapy. So your insurance, so now insurance companies are looking at it as preventative maintenance. Before it was like, if you not going to the hospital for your mental health, we're not paying for it. So if I'm struggling to pay bills, if I'm struggling to keep the lights on, and now you want me to come out of pocket hundreds of dollars a month, nah, nah, because my insurance company is not going to cover it because I'm not in a mental asylum. Definitely not. Wow. So just understanding that, um, that history, but also understanding that's no longer the case. So now that that's no longer the case, we have a better chance at breaking that st- that stigma. Um, because now, like I've had plenty of insurance carriers where mental health was free. 
didn't pay a dime and they got their money because the insurance company paid for it. So just really being more aware that that is no longer, I I don't want to say a valid barrier, but that barrier doesn't exist unless you allow it to. And over, over the past decade, as you know, as you're experiencing, you know, your, your mental health journey to, to wellness. And I, and I say journey because a lot of times, you know, we think, you know, once I go to the doctor or once I go to the therapist, once I have the one session, everything is like okay. you know, roses again and then I'm good to go. And, and I think a lot of people don't realize like, no, you likely will still have to kind of continue on um, your, your journey in life while building and learning from the tool that you get during the sessions. So as, as over the past decade, and actually a little bit over a decade now, um, as, as you've kind of gone on along your mental health journey, um, you know, how, how have you seen it, right? Like, have you, have you, do you feel yourself better now than what you were before because you have the health? Like, what, what, where, do you, where do you place yourself now in comparison uh, to yeah. you as a seven-year-old? Um, definitely a lot better than me, than the seven-year-old me. I will say that wholeheartedly. But I think one thing to recognize is that, um, a lot of times we hear the words mental health and we imply problem. Everyone has mental health. Everyone has mental health. Just like we all have physical health. The challenge is recognizing that mental health can ebb and flow. It's not a lateral scenario. Some days is a good day. Some days it's not. That's okay. It's a part of the process. But I think having a mental health routine in place is very helpful. Um, the, the irony is just when you start to feel better, you, feel, you realize there's another thing you need to work on and then another thing <laughs> and then another thing. <laughs> um, but therapy is very similar to like working out. Like if I go to the gym once, I'm not going to see the results I'm looking for. But with consistency, one day you look up and you're like, huh, I wouldn't have dealt with that. The old me would have popped off. The old me would have cursed them out. <laughs> the old me would have, or, or the old me wouldn't have known how to self-advocate. The old me wouldn't have known how to communicate what she needed, et cetera. So I think I definitely am getting better. Um, and I, I know that I'm making strides. Um, and even when I'm in an okay space, I still go to therapy every week because that's when, that's my opportunity to go through some of that baggage. Um, even if it's not an immediate issue, now let's go work on the seven-year-olds here. Now let's go work on the 16-year-olds here. Now let's go work on the 18-year-olds here. Like, let me go deal with those issues so that I can heal and the buck can stop with me. Before I have children, it's very important to me to, or that I'm, before I raise children, um, it's very important to me to make sure that I heal my baggage because the reality is hurt people hurt people. So if I don't deal with my, my issues, I'm just going to repeat it. But it's up to me to say, okay, let me deal with my stuff. Let me unpack some of these bags so that I don't end up giving my children an identical set. When, when you decided to really take your mental, mental health and wellness kind of into your own hands and uh, seek the professional support um, that you're, you're in now, was there any... Was it, was there any like, oh, like, why are you doing that? Like, oh, you don't need that. Like, what, like, how was that reception when you said, you know what? No, I know I need to also pray, but I also need to see the therapist. Like, how was that reception just amongst your circle? 
Um, amongst my friends, my friends were like, yeah, I get it. But my friends are also millennials, right? Um, amongst family, it's like, what's wrong with you? You in therapy. Um, but I, I happen to just be an unapologetic type of person. Um, cause I feel like if you don't pay my bills, I don't understand why your opinion should carry weight in my life. And that's just always how I've been. Um, and so, you know, since being on my own, I'm like, well, you're not paying for my therapy. So why? Why does it matter? Right. Right. Um, but I'm very open about like, like I'll tell friends or family, I'm like, Hey, I gotta go. I got therapy in an hour. Like I, I'm open about it, but I'm open about everything. Um, I, I'm just a very, very open and transparent person. So I'm I'm able to, I don't necessarily like recap, like, oh, in therapy, we talked about, you know, X, Y, and Z. But I am very open about like, yeah, I'm in therapy dealing with some of the things that I've dealt with. And I, I might generalize what we're talking about. Um, but what you start to see is, um, even in family, like you starting to see people like, huh, okay. And now I have a few family members who are in therapy. The same people who were looking at me like I was crazy. I'm like, mm, you like it, don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think that's really the biggest question and that, that comes into play when, when we, when we, when we, you know, decree the importance of, you know, making sure our, you know, our health, right? Because again, a lot of people, they talk about, oh, you got to be financially healthy, financially healthy. We scream that uh, from the rooftops and it's clearly widely ex- accepted that we need to be financially healthy. Uh, but once you start, you know, screaming that, hey, your mental health is important too. Hey, you need to get help for your, your, your mental. Um, usually that kind of falls on whispers. So, so, I, so I do ask, like, what, like, where do you think um, are some solutions to that, right? Like if I, if I want to help try to lift the, the community, let's say we don't even have to go that far, right? If I want to help uplift the family members uh, that I have, especially for the Lunch and Learn listeners who are listening, you know, what are some tangible tips that they may be able to uh, bring to their family members say, no, 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 like I heard on this amazing podcast, like, you know, these are some of the things that you should do uh, to start taking control like today. Yeah, I think... Um, one, the easiest way to, to challenge a taboo subject is to talk about it. So if you're in therapy, be open about that with your friends and family so that it can be less of like a, you're in therapy. Um, so start to be honest with people and be like, uh, you know, I'm in therapy. I've seen it work. Like I actually just had this conversation with a friend last week, um, And it really just came up. I brought it up as casually as I would have brought it up with, um, like, you need to go, you need to work on your financial health or your physical health or your professional health, right? Um, I was like, have you considered seeing a therapist? Like, when you start to see patterns in your friends, instead of sitting silently because you want to show them that you're loyal, show them that you're loyal and hold them accountable hey, I've noticed this is a pattern that you display. Maybe you should go talk to somebody about that. Oh, I love it. Just, just. Mm, Accountability is huge. <laughs> like, and even to the sense that in my own personal story, I was going through a really, really bad breakup. Um, I ended up developing an eating disorder, which if anyone knows me, I eat. Okay. I love food. And so when I could, I could not even consume food. And if I tried to force feed myself, I got sick. Like 
And so that friend lovingly pulled me up and was like, you need to go see someone. This isn't healthy. And those are the kind of conversations that we need to be willing to have um, in a loving way. We like, this is a pattern I'm noticing. I don't think that's healthy. I really would, I want you to be the best version of yourself. I think you should go see somebody and support them through that process. Um, and if you're new to that process, a couple things that helped me, um, one, going to therapy, right, of course, but also part of my mental health routine is I journal every day. If you don't physically like writing, um, you can do voice memos or something, but we carry around too much weight and responsibility we need a, a safe place to put that down and stop treating our friends like therapists. Ooh, that's a big one. That's a, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Stop treating your friend like a therapist. Stop expecting them to, um, and even relationships. Like you see it a lot on Twitter where people be like, oh, I need somebody who's going to deal with my stuff and you need to be there for me unconditionally and put up with all my abuse. And that, that's how you know you love me. That ain't love, baby. That ain't love. You need to go see somebody about that. But how many times are people like, oh, yep, they need to ride or die. Mm-mm. Why Why do I need to die? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll ride with you, but you can tell me where we're going first. You know what I mean? Like, give me a choice if I want to ride on this ride. Um, but And stop glamorizing um, love by way of suffrage. And I feel like that's something the Black community specifically struggles with. We feel like love is only love if you put up with a jail sentence, cheating, side babies, 50-limb baby mamas. And if you don't put up with all that, you don't love me. Uh, That's not love. That's toxic. That is toxic. And so really starting to change the conversation um, around what does love look like? right? But if we learn what love looks like from our experiences growing up, we have to deal with those experiences in order to determine that love could look differently. And you, you kind of mentioned it, um, you know, the fact that you journal a lot. And I do, I do want to touch on that because uh, not only clearly you do, because you have not one, two, but three books out, right? So Let's let's talk about just that and that process and how that's kind of helped everything kind of go along, right? Because everything seems to tie together um, when when we just talk about the importance of making sure we have very great mental clarity moving forward. Like, what what was that process for you? Especially if we think about the first one and we say, you know what? Like, I want to write a book. Like, what was your purpose? What was the goal? What did you get out of it? And then what made you write it two more times? <laughs> yes. So um, writing has always been therapeutic for me. Um, as far back as I can remember, I've always been a writer at heart. Um, my first book wasn't intended to be a book. That's why if, any, if, you, if you read the book, you're like, oh, this is juicy. Because it wasn't supposed to be a book. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be a book. Um, it, so what happened, the first book is called 23 and finally loving me. What happened was on my 23rd birthday, I committed to spending the next 365 days focused on myself, focused on healing, growth, development in every area, financial, spiritual, romantic friendships, professional, you name it, it's in there. Um, and so I just journaled the process because I knew writing was a safe place to release. 
for me. And I love journaling because there's no judgment. Ain't nobody talking back to you. Nobody's forcing their opinion down your throat. Like it's literally just, I say what I want and don't ever read it. Like when I die, put my journals in the grave with me, please. (laughs) For the sake of everyone who cares about me, just throw it in there with me. Don't open it. None of that. Like, or burn it, like whichever, like, but, but it does not need to be read by any other person. But that's the beauty of a journal is having that safe space to say, this person done pissed me off today. And then tomorrow you done got it off your chest. So now you can be friends again, you know? Um, and so the reason the first one became a book is because I recognized that my story could help someone else. And, um, before I made the decision to publish the book, I was in a personal development uh, program class at my church in Maryland when I was living in Maryland. And one of the women in the class, she came up and she said, you know, her daughter had been struggling with depression and suicide. And she was just asking for us to pray for her daughter. After the class was over, I went up to her and I said, you know, I've dealt with those issues. Here's my number. If you need anything, let me know. A couple weeks later, she calls and says her daughter had been date raped and it triggered her suicide and to the point where she was in a hot, she was hospitalized for her suicide attempt. Um, and she was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Everything I say to her is making it worse. I don't know how to help my child. And so in that conversation, obviously I didn't know her daughter, so I couldn't like say, well, this is what she meant, but I was able to have a conversation and say like, maybe this is what she was trying to say. Maybe she doesn't have the strength to tell you in this moment, but maybe try this. Um, When I was going through my experiences, this is what I wish my mother knew. This is how I wish my mother would have responded. Um, And the best piece of advice I can give as a blanket statement is ask questions, don't assume you know the answer. So an example of that in that situation, I said, um, ask her what she needs from you. Don't assume she needs the solution because a lot of like mental health isn't always logical. Like depression doesn't make sense. Like, I don't need you to reason me through it. Sometimes I just want to sit here and watch movies, you know? And, and so for her daughter, it ended up being her daughter just wanted to take the day off and go shopping with her mother. That was what she needed from her mother in that moment. But we fail to realize that one, self-advocating is very difficult, but especially when you're already dealing with mental health issues so difficult. So if I have a problem and you say, well, this is your solution. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. I feel like, well, all right, whatever. Right. I already don't shut, have shut, You shut down because you're like, all right, you're not listening to me anyway. So you don't even know the whole problem, but you're telling me what I need to do to fix it. So what's the point? So, but when you go to your loved one and say, I love you. I know you're hurting. How can I help? they're more inclined to answer that question for you. And it usually has nothing to do with anything logical. I, I, I've yet to experience with, like sometimes it's like, I wanna go to dinner. Can you come over and watch movies with me? Can we just sleep, lay around and lounge around the house and eat and laugh and joke? Or I don't wanna think about it. Can we go to a comedy show? You know, whatever. But it doesn't always look like the logical solution. Um, but after that engagement, that was, or that conversation with her, that was the first time I felt grateful for my experiences with depression and suicide because I was able to help another person get through theirs. That was when I knew the first book had to come out. 
Um, the reason for the other books, um, I at my first book release party, I made a promise to my village um, that I would put, publish a book each year. So book number four will be out in 2020. Um, it, it's my goal. I already have, I have books one through like six already written, um, but it's just about like in what order and what right. Yeah. So. Um, but just to give a brief overview, book number two is called When Life Gives You Lemons. It's about perseverance. And then book number three is called Life After Loss. And it's giving specific and strategic steps for how to survive the grief of miscarriage and how to support people through that process. When, when we write, when we write the books and we, you know, let it out to the world, right? And we say, you know what, like, this is something that I was keeping. This is something I was journaling. This is something that I was here but now it's out uh, in the opening. Mm-hmm. Like, ha- wh- what is that initial response like? And what's been the response, especially with the, with the, for the past three? Like, what's been the, the, the feedback that you've gotten? I am still getting a little backlash on the first book. Um, it's oh, wow. That, okay. It, it's, on, it's that honest. Because, again, I, when I wrote it, it was from a, a lens of, like, it's better to get it out because I need to, right? Um, And a lot of the backlash, it's been mixed reviews. So some of my family family members and friends have been incredibly supportive because they know it can help other people. Like even, um, I remember when I published my first book, me and my father have had a history of issues throughout my life. And when I published the book, we were in a good space. So I reached out to him and I was like, by the way, there's some stuff in this book (laughs) that may not be pretty. Um, And he asked to read it before the book release party. So I emailed him a digital copy. Um, And like 30 minutes later, he replied to the email saying, I'm so proud of you. Like, I know it took a lot to be honest. And I know um, that your honesty is going to help someone else who is dealing with their issues with their father so even when it's the subject is like in the hot seat I guess uh, I've gotten some some people some family and friends who are like I'm proud of your ability to be so open and honest because it allows other people to feel validated and it allows other people to feel heard right but then you have some family and friends who are like well not even friends my friends have been supportive I have some family members who are like well why would you put that in a book and you being too honest and um, I had a family member tell me I could be sued for defamation of character, not because what was said about them, <laughs> but what was said about a different person. And I'm just like, if you don't want to support the book, just don't. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, but at the end of the day, I, I, it's not that I'm airing my dirty laundry because that's fun for me. It's more so me being open and honest about the challenges I've dealt with to provide support guidance and love to people who have dealt with similar issues and and clearly it's done a wonder especially for for you because not only have you know you become an author uh but now even publicly right you publicly you're able to do speaking right you're able to you know lend your voice uh to uh, again when we it's almost cliche but like to the voiceless right to people who have been waiting right who've been waiting to hear someone like tell their story even if it's not their specific story but the fact that someone is able to tell their story now they have someone to connect to exactly Um, and and now was that like has that just kind of been the byproduct or like was was like do you like to speak like what's like what's your 
I feel like, well, one, I feel like all of our purposes um, have left breadcrumbs throughout our entire life. And if you look for them, you'll find them. But the challenge is you got to look back in order to see the, the, the path aligned. Um, so I think there were clues along the way. Um, but my first speaking engagement, I was nudged to do. And I was like, oh, this feels right. Okay. Um, but even from a lens of like, when you say uh, lend your voice to the voiceless, like that, I've had that experience where every speaking engagement I have, people are lined up waiting to share their story because now they feel safe. Now they feel like, and that's where, not to, you know, commingle the movements, but that's how the Me Too movement has able, been able to have so much traction is because now I feel validated. Now I know I'm not alone. Now I'm comfortable sharing my experience because someone else ripped the Band-Aid first. And that has been my goal. Um, I have not had uh, sexual abuse. So that I'm not saying that to say that, that's, that I'm a part of the Me Too movement, but I support it, of course. Um, but my goal through my business and through my purpose is really to talk about the subjects that we don't want to talk about so that someone can get a breakthrough. And that's worth it for me. It's worth airing my dirty laundry if it means that someone else is helped by it. I love it. And be, before I let you go, first of all, I want to thank you for one, being able to really talk about your story. Yeah. Um, and, and again, because again, we're going to have listeners here who have been feeling those same feelings, those same thoughts, who probably as a child were like, you know what, like, I was that same way, but now that I heard someone like, okay, now that makes sense. Uh, so definitely thank you for opening up um, that story. And you're going to allow someone who's going to listen to this to say, thank you. Right. Yeah. Um, but before we let you go, right. I do want to know like what, like, obviously, so you kind of tease that, right. So we got a book coming out, but like, what's, what's next. Right. And, and where can people follow you, track you down, read, First of all, picked up all of the books. Like, where, where can, cause I, like, I'm like literally, like, as right when we're done recording, I'm about to go pick up this book, right? Because now I'm very <laughs> interested to see what was going on. That got people ready to sue you for defamation. I'm very interested in, in that, right? Like, right now. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, so, one, I'm an author, right? Two, I'm also a motivational speaker. Um, so I know events are kind of slow right now, but I know a lot of um, events are going virtual. So if you need a speaker, holla at your girl. Um, also, I'm a business coach. So I help clients with uh, working through their businesses. And so whatever your business is, helping to create that foundation and that, that um, structure so that you can grow strategically and be able to sustain the growth. Cause a lot of people are very talented and the moment they blow up, it crumbles because they don't have systems in place. So that's what I help my clients with um, from a business coaching standpoint. Um, I am on all social media platforms at Tierra Nicole Riley, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, you name it, search Tierra Nicole Riley, you will find me. Um, I tried to make and, and, and remember, let's learn community. All of the links will be in the show notes, so you'll be able to click yeah. it in. Yes, and I'll be right there. I am most active on Instagram, so slide in my DMs, say hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I am definitely there. Um, my website is also tiaranicolereilly.com. 
My email address is contact at tiernicolereilly.com. Um, on my website, you'll find my books. Um, I also have statement t-shirts um, that are there. I also have digital products, so different trainings and downloads and things like that that cover um, time management right? We all, mm-hmm. all need it. Better time management. Yes. Um, I also have some business development trainings on there. And then I also have some trainings that speak about grief and, and what do you do with the grief of that? Um, so they're definitely all on my website. Very, very affordable. So definitely take it, take a look. Um, and if you use promo code social, you'll get a 20% discount. Ooh, I love it. We love the promo codes. Okay. Everybody loves the promo code. Yes. Again, thank you. Thank you very much uh for uh you know such a wonderful experience and wonderful conversation and I, i'm just i'm very excited to see the amount of people that i know you're going to help in the future like i said obviously with COVID 19 you know putting putting a damper uh to to our conferences uh definitely um you know look forward to just kind of hearing you out here hearing here, seeing what these next books are about yeah. um and we just wish you all the all the success in the world especially here with the lunch learning community Thank you. And do we have a few seconds? I do want to address COVID as regards to mental health. Um, COVID has definitely been a mental health trigger for a lot of us. And I want to, one, validate that. Like, whatever your experience has been during COVID is valid. Um, What I will say is use this opportunity to get more in tune with yourself. Reintroduce yourself to your family, right? Like, we're so used to ripping and running that, like, you brush past your kids or brush past your partner and, you know, really don't even spend time with you. Um, So definitely use that opportunity, but do not minimize the impact of not only COVID, but the other pandemic that Black people are currently facing with regard to racial equality. Those are having an impact on our mental health. And again, if you don't name it, you can't face it. But if we continue to pretend like everything is hunky-dory, but it's not, you can't heal. Like, for a while, I was good because I'm introverted. I am incredibly introverted. So for a while, I was like, listen, I ain't got no problems, no care in the world. I'm going to be in the house chilling. And then eventually it hit me. I was like, I'm not okay. I am not okay. So even though I'm introverted and very much introverted, I missed how important it was to be able to tap in when I wanted to. Yes. Yes. And then, and having something like literally, literally shut you out from that experience. Um, again, like I say, I, you know, I, I, I shame the people, right. Who go out and do, you know, clubs and all that other stuff, but I 100% understand why they do it yeah. because for a lot of people, like, like they are literally going to explode like if they are forced to remain in self isolation, I wouldn't. So I one hundred percent understand why people go out. Um, I just want you to wear a mask when you're doing it. That's all I want, right? Like that's wear a mask, right? Be safe, right? But then also think about like how can I do things differently? So even just this morning, I had a Zoom date with my best friend. Okay, like, I'm seeing you. We're having a conversation but we're still being safe. Like how, like the things that you want to do, just be creative and really think about it. And eat, especially for business owners, um, learning how to pivot through unknown circumstances is critical. Like how many movie theaters are going out of business when they could have just started doing drive-through movie theaters again? 
you you could have owned the market, but instead you chose to sit home and say, "Well, guess we can't do anything." Why you own you own the parking lot? Put down the screen, and now restaurants are in business. So you go get your food, you go drive to the movie theater, and you watch your movie. And now you can have dates, right? Whereas now we all stuck in the house because you refuse to be creative. So as a business owner, but also in your personal life, learn how to pivot and recognize perception creates reality. So if when COVID popped off and you were like, woe is me, summer's canceled, I can't do anything, or are you looking for opportunities to do things differently? I love it. So true. Amazing, amazing parting words. And uh, I thank you because again, it's, it's again, it's very again, it's, and I do think it's being downplayed, um, especially because you know, COVID guys, especially from a health standpoint, I can tell you guys, COVID gonna be around for a while. Um, so, 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 so there's not a there's not a waiting out period. There's a adjust adjust right now period. What is your normal? Right, because that's like I said, I've been this, I've been I've been to a few like Zoom birthday parties now, which and I didn't realize like how hype it can actually be. Like people. People definitely, I mean, we're playing games online and with each other and we're all in different states. I'm like, oh. If I knew anything, I would have, I would have bought Zoom stock. If I knew COVID was coming, Zoom would have been on my list of stock to buy. I'm not even going to hold you. It would have been on my list. But I think it really just shows like you can choose to, to stay doom and gloom or you can choose to look for opportunities to just adjust to the new normal. Cause like you said, it ain't going nowhere. This mm-hmm. is, this is how life will be probably for the next two years mm-hmm. at best. Yeah. Oh yes. 100%. Oof, yep. I love it. Again, thank you here for such an amazing words, uh, such amazing conversation. Um, and especially from such a beautiful person that um, I, I'm, I just wish you all the success in the world. Thank you. And uh, it seems like you already have the, uh, ironically, the mental fortitude, right, um, to be able to push through uh, and, and push out uh, to the world because it's 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 definitely needed, and especially for our community, um, we you get, even though even though it may sound like a broken record, we're going to keep talking about this importance of mental health, mental wellness, mental well being um, uh, until the cows come home. I appreciate being here. Thank you for the opportunity to contribute to that conversation um, because it's definitely a needed conversation in our community. Thank you. Thank you for coming to the end of the episode. It is yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre. I want to give my undying thanks to you for your support. Just getting to the end of the episode means that you at least enjoyed today's episode. Hope you were empowered by today's episode. Please remember to share this episode with at least two people that you know that would be greatly affected if they did not listen to today's episode and if you have not already done so subscribe to the podcast leave us a five-star review especially on apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a review leave a review there because your support is so 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 valuable for what we're doing here on the lynch learn and everything with pierre medical consulting and if you have not done so go ahead and join the listserv. To join the listserv, it's very easy. Just grab your phone right now. I'll pause. Join the listserv. You want to text Lunch Learn Pod. This is all going to be one word Lunch Learn Pod. 
844-242-4422. And you'll be on the listserv. You'll know exactly when new episodes are coming out. You'll know about new episodes before they actually come out because I usually tell my listserv members, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is the guests that you should expect to hear for the week on. Thank you, guys. You have a blessed day, and I'm going to see you guys next week.